0: This is M I P with
2: Mark, Mark Thompson. Make it get woke. Good morning, everyone. There is so much to be done, so much to undo from the damage the Trump administration had done, and it's not as if there still weren't historical damages in America. And one of those places where we've seen a lot of historical damage done and historical trauma and unfairness has been in the area of immigration. Um, A lot of unfinished business. So let's get back to it. Uh, Hopefully much more will come from the Biden administration. We will see. Um, And we also know that we have to hold all administrations accountable. One organization that is doing that is one of our favorite organizations. It is United. We dream and here to talk to us about the new administration, what they're doing and what we're going to hold the new administration accountable to is the advocacy director of United. We dream. And for those of you who don't recall, United, we dream is the largest immigrant youth led network in the nation. My guess, the advocacy director, leads the network in crafting federal and state and local policies and advocacy campaigns that are informed by the vision shared by immigrant youth across the country. Our guest, again, the advocacy director of United We Dream, Sanaa Abrar. I should have asked before, Sanaa, am I pronouncing your name correctly? You've got it. All right. I'm proud of myself. Got it on the first try. How are you?
1: I am well. Uh, I'm good. It's, it's a new year. I'm, I'm settling into the new year by getting straight to work. Uh, there has not been that time to breathe.
2: No, no, it hasn't been time. Got to get right into it and keep moving. As I was reading the bio, let me start there for a minute. In terms of United We Dream, youth led. Um, let's face it, the, aren't the majority of immigrants right now in this country actually young people to begin with?
1: That is true. The immigrant population in the United States is young, growing, thriving, uh, and is extremely dynamic, multiracial, multiethnic, multigenerational. So I think United We Dream, though it's one of many in the ecosystem of, of the bigger immigration movement, I like to think that, that we're a good gut check on, on where immigrants are in this country in terms of youth, in terms of Gen X, millennials who are coming up and, and taking on new leadership roles for, for our rights.
2: Amen. That's good. That's good to know. And, and especially important, I mean, we need an organization. We need a movement, youth-led and youth-impacted since uh, youth are in the majority. Um, and that's the future, really. Um, uh, to be honest with you. So the Biden administration is in office. Uh, what have you found? What has United We Dream found, first of all, uh, to be encouraging about what the Biden administration is, is saying when it comes to
1: immigration? Sure. I'll, I'll start actually pre-inauguration because you know, much of what's happening in terms of these actions and these exciting announcements from the Biden administration are no coincidence. Our people got this president into office. Our people created the conditions collectively for our Biden-Harris administration. When I say our people, I mean communities of color. I mean voters of color. I mean uh, black women-led Voting rights organizations that were ensuring people had the right to vote. I mean, the multiracial coalition that showed up and showed out to ensure that this president received the most votes in American history and would then go and deliver for those same communities that got him there. And so it's no coincidence that, for example, on day one of the Biden presidency, that a number of uh, exciting Um, And first step announcements were made uh, for our immigrant communities, the repeal of Trump's Muslim and Africa ban, the announcement that we now have a president who's on the side of DACA recipients and is committed to keeping the program in place, the expansion of relief of a relief program for 4000 Liberians in this country who were under threat from the Trump administration. None of this was coincidence. This was because immigrant communities have been holding the line and playing defense for these past four years, have been working in the courts, in the legislatures, and pushing back on the executive actions to ensure that we could be in this place now where we could undo as you stated so well, but then also next up, build forward for our communities so we can truly thrive, right? It's been exhausting playing defense mode. So I know we're all really excited to to start building and co-governing with the government that we helped get to the place where it is now.
2: Are there good signs that that co-governing is going to happen? I know a lot of times we help get people in office and then after they're in office, they go in another direction or not so much another direction. They forget that we're supposed to be governing with them. Are you mm-hmm. confident that? the Biden administration is still accessible to you and attentive and and listening?
1: So far, I'm feeling good. Uh, I think, you know, these, these initial actions have been a good sign of steps forward. They have been moving for swift confirmations with the Senate of getting these secretaries in place who will actually go and implement the work. Um, I will say they have inherited uh, a lot of the harms and the uh, misfortunes of the Trump administration. Um, And when I say that, I say that a current frustration, I will say within the movement, is that deportations are still happening of immigrants. Uh, We have been seeing deportation flights leaving, commandeered by ICE to uh, majority black countries like Haiti, Jamaica, and other countries. These deportations are still happening despite the pause on moratoriums that the Biden administration enacted on day one, partly because a judge in Texas put a freeze on that moratorium. But I think one of the frustrations has been now that, yes, there's a pause on this moratorium on deportations, but the Biden administration's hands are not tied. They have complete discretion, they have complete overview of anybody who is in detention or deportation proceedings. So yes, there have been good steps forward. And I think there has been quite a bit of, of, of movement um, voices pushing on the Biden administration to use the executive power that they have right now, immediately ASAP to stop the deportations that are continuing to happen on their watch.
2: So why don't they just do it? I mean, you're saying they can literally just turn that spigot off.
1: They can. They can, and that's that's why I use the word frustrating because the president, in his complete power, can stop individual deportations. Sure, he can't do a blanket ban on deportations because of what this judge is claiming in Texas and what this, uh, you know, what the what Texas is suing about. But you're right; they can just do it. They can they can stop deportations. We've been uh, in partnership with groups who have been representing an individual named Javier. Um, who has been a DACA recipient, who is still in detention, Um, and multiple times over the past few weeks, ICE has threatened him with deportation. We've been calling members of Congress, our partners have been reaching out to the Biden administration, not just to stop his deportation, but let him go. And this is just one story that reflects the stories of thousands. We have thousands of people who are still in detention. So, you know, I hear, I hear comments from folks of, well, it's just been a little over a week, you know, like give them time. Unfortunately, that does not speak for the needs and the urgency of people, of families, of communities who have seen individuals disappeared from their homes who are currently sitting in cages awaiting some sort of relief, and I agree. The Biden administration can act immediately. They can move forward on stopping deportations. And and that's an expectation we continue to have after the promises that were made uh, during the campaign.
2: So one of the solutions is in the list of demands you all have in a petition. Folks, if you go uh, to unitedwedream.org, you can see this. But grant citizenship to all. That would be a sweeping move. Talk mm-hmm. to us about that and, you know, what? what is the challenge there? Why not just do it? Make the case.
1: Definitely. Well, our mantra is no excuses. There's a Democratic House, there's a Democratic Senate, and we have the White House. Right. So no excuses. It's time to move forward on pathway to citizenship for all. This is something that people have been awaiting for decades because the U.S. government has not gotten gotten itself together on moving permanent relief. You know, we won DACA as United We Dream as an immigrant youth movement, but that was always meant to be a Band-Aid, a temporary solution. Even President Obama noted that this was a temporary solution until Congress could actually move a permanent solution. Now, that was what, nine years ago? And we're still here where legislation for citizenship has not moved in Congress for many decades. (laughs) I'm not gonna give the exact number, I might get it wrong. So, uh, we're at this place where we're demanding, as United We Dream, as part of our undeniable campaign, one of our many demands is citizenship for all 11 million plus immigrants. And there are many ways of doing it, right? There are approaches where there's bills that have already passed in the House of Representatives, like the Dream and Promise Act, which would uh, give pathway to citizenship to immigrant youth, to TPS holders. There's a Farm Workers Modernization Act which is a citizenship bill for farm workers who play a huge role as part of our bigger essential workforce during the pandemic, there are bills that can move now, right? They're uh, literally tomorrow. We could put them on the floor, they would pass in the house and we've gotta get the Senate uh, to to build uh, you know, the, the support that they need to move these forward as well. Um, we're not going for any one strategy. It's all about moving any bills that help people without hurting people. And I want to make a note on strategy too. You know, I've, I've been hearing on, on multiple fronts this call for bipartisanship of working with the Republicans. We saw what many of those individuals were capable of, not just on January 6th, but in terms of the anti-immigrant, anti-Black rhetoric that Republicans, uh, conservatives have been spewing for years. And now we are hearing some folks talking about reaching across the aisle. Let's work with them. Show me one time where Republicans under Trump were calling for bipartisanship. We're asking to work together. We know that Majority Leader Schumer has the tools to be able to move immigration reform like this. He can end the filibuster where you only need 51 Democrats to move forward a bill. He can also include legalization for immigrants in any COVID relief budget reconciliation. I know it's getting a little wonky, but the way we see it is to move the budget, to move a recovery package, 51 votes are needed. As part of that, what we are echoing at United We Dream and with our partners is this country can't fully recover from this devastating pandemic as long as there are undocumented individuals Who are locked out of vital benefits vital services because of their status so what does it look like to actually insert into any recovery package that requires 51 democratic votes legalization for immigrants across the board whether they're essential workers whether they're immigrant youth whether they're tps holders we can have the band-aids of you know Uh, Vaccine distribution, regardless of status, sure, we want that. $2,000 checks, regardless of immigration status, yes, we want that. But the long-term solution is citizenship for all, so that you're not trying to look through a list of of healthcare clinics that will accept you uh, in case you're undocumented. You're not worrying about paying for your kids' uh, tuition because the college that they want to go to, will actually bar them from receiving any aid because they're undocumented.
2: So now let's be a little bit wonkier, wonk to wonk. Y'all bear with us for a minute. Um, it, it, it's not just everything um, that, that you described, but we know that Democrats are scared of their own shadow. We're already hearing, well, you know, we don't want to do anything because and it's going to affect us in the midterms if you do it all today by the time the midterms come around most people will have forgotten about it let's just be practical about it. that's why you do it early You jump on it hit it hard keep it moving you know the longer you drag it out and have these stupid meetings for two hours of people that are never going to be on your side the more you give them the mic you give them an opportunity to gripe and whine and complain about things that you know should happen why did we fight to get a majority for y'all to be like, well, I don't know. And we need to think about it. Uh -uh. So I agree with you. So um, I'll just add to that wonkiness, but there's more here. We folks, we've been saying defund the police. That's the popular term, but that ain't it. We got to defund not only the police, but ICE as well. Correct.
1: That's right. They work in tandem. They're partners. You know, you, I get questions of, well, how, how does deportation work? Like, how does one get deported? I will say that the majority of deportations, like the first domino that falls is police interaction, Uh, a traffic stop, Um, you know, somebody uh, who, who has a traffic infraction or who's not looking the way that they ought to look because of their black or brown skin and is racially profiled and targeted by police. And many police departments across this country have actual partnerships, like government-sanctioned partnerships with ICE, so that if they book someone and they realize that that person is undocumented, one call to ICE, and they get moved into deportation proceedings. So we, we are in complete allyship and solidarity when it comes to defunding police, because we know that that impacts particularly disproportionately Black immigrants when, when we talk about deportations. And it's about defunding ICE and CBP because these agencies, they were started not as a matter of national security, not as a matter of protecting people. They were started to racially profile, target and and deport people who, unfortunately, white supremacist systems believe don't belong in this country.
2: Right, right. And that's ICE and CBP. We also know the police was started and they were originally slave catchers. So all of those agencies It's Black History Month after all, all of those agencies um, are important. And and since I mentioned Black History Month, we also have to acknowledge, too, we know what our sister Kamala went through. Some people who are are nativists feel that people of color um, from other parts of the diaspora who happen to be Black aren't real Americans, so to speak, or they should somehow be discriminated against. And I know Sinai United, we dream also agrees with me. That's BS. Also, Uh, there have been if we think about Black History Month, there's a there's a lot of overlap between Black History Month and Hispanic and Latino Heritage Month. I want you all to know that, Uh, uh, you know, so (laughs) we just want to be clear on that. Now, um, other areas, Um, the the other thing that has been uh, problematic. Um, is, is COVID relief. Now, we're just hearing the numbers out of here in New York and the disproportionality of even vaccination. Uh, you all are making the case not only for COVID relief, but our people are disproportionately affected by COVID because we're a lot of the frontline workers, a lot of the hospitality workers, a lot of the food service and restaurant workers. So why shouldn't all of these individuals get the vaccines right away too?
1: That's the question, right? If, if we're talking about taking care of the entire country, if we're talking about recovery, 100% recovery, that is, that is the day that we all want to see, then 100% of this country deserves urgently needed vaccine distribution, access, access to healthcare, access to whatever they need to get out of, of what we're in right now. And we are seeing, you know, unfortunately there are states where that is not necessarily a guarantee that they're going to make. Uh, a few weeks ago, right, we heard the Nebraska governor um, talking about how undocumented people in his state would not be eligible for the COVID vaccine. You know, the reality is is that many uh, undocumented people in the state of Nebraska serve as essential workers in meat meatpacking facilities. Many of us saw those, those horrific accounts of people in these meatpacking facilities getting COVID, still being expected to work, to show up on time to to work these long days. In Florida, we are seeing how at vaccine distribution sites there are requirements to have a government issued ID uh, that is presented before you get your vaccine. So what does this mean for undocumented immigrants who in the state of Florida don't have access to to government issued IDs. Where to date, we have not seen um, any new policies that would provide some kind of government local IDs to people so that they can access that. You know, obviously we're gonna we're fighting for municipal IDs in parts of Florida, but as that is happening, vaccine distribution sites should not be discriminating on the basis of immigration status because this, I mean, this goes totally in, uh, it's a rejection of you know, the do no harm spirit of the medical and, and health and wellness community. When, when we're talking about turning away people because of their immigration status, uh, when they're trying to access a vaccine and help all communities get better, I think that's ridiculous. Uh, so that's, that's one of the places where, where we're fighting that when it comes to any kind of COVID relief, it must not discriminate on the basis of immigration status by virtue of where you were born and how you came to this country to be told that that you don't deserve the opportunity to get better to get healthy that is against you know every every value of ours and and you know I think what we should be working toward as a community which is helping all harming none
2: and again this is a country where the last person in office pretty much wanted COVID to spread everywhere. He didn't want to do anything about it. So again, the the very same people now that we're asking to be protected are the people who keep this little red wagon going while other Americans have the privilege of being able to stay home and not be exposed. These are the folk that have to do the jobs where you can't stay home, y'all, all All right? Now, some of y'all listening ain't gonna replace these people doing those jobs but you still want that stuff done and you still need it done. So why should not they, why should they not be protected? They are literally on the front line of the pandemic. We're not, they are. We can't just say the hell with them that, you know, gets into a whole nother thing about deciding who lives and dies politically in a pandemic. Uh, Where are we on full protections, DACA, and and tps
1: well we're we're in a dangerous place right now I'll, i'll have to say that uh what trump did to the daca program was i mean for for people who are directly impacted for for my friends and for the members that we represent at united we dream who have daca or who are finally getting to apply for the first time for daca what trump did will be something that we never forgot because what he did essentially was try and attack the program from his seat as president um, and, and arguably work in conjunction with other conservative actors who've been wanting to see this program done with since the day that, that it was first announced in 2012. So when I say that, I, I mean this. For four years, we have been able to protect the DACA program, the immigrant youth, have served as plaintiffs in court cases, taking it all the way to the Supreme Court to say, DACA is here to stay, and so are we. And we got a positive Supreme Court decision last year. It was a huge victory, uh, reaffirming where we are in terms of DACA and the need for the program to remain open. However, here's why we're in a dangerous place. When it comes to Texas, there is still a pending court case in a Texas court that would end the program if the judge issues a bad decision. This is Judge Haynan in Texas. Unfortunately, this, this case doesn't go away just because Trump is gone. It is a case being waged against uh, the Texas Attorney General and a number of other conservative attorneys general. We expect a decision out of Judge Haynan any day now. and. Frankly, you know, we've talked to our membership about this with Judge Hainen's history where he knocked down and and, and he helped um, end the DAPA program, which would have been a program that actually provided relief to the parents of immigrant youth. Um, because of that history he has, we think that he will probably rule against DACA as we know it. What does this mean, right? Well, first we'll have to take a look at the ruling, right? What does the ruling mean? Are there immediate effects? Are there, is there gonna be more of a slow wind down period of the program? We've gotta take a look as soon as it comes out. And if you follow United We Dream online, on Twitter and Facebook, we'll actually be doing rapid response, you know, alerts and calls to explain what the ruling means when that happens. We're not gonna wait for this case to be appealed all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, a conservative Supreme Court as we know it, we're not waiting at all. We are pushing Congress and Biden to move right now before Judge Hanen makes a decision to pass relief for the, the people who have pending cases in the courts. You mentioned TPS too. There are pending court cases on TPS. So we have changed citizenship for all. We want permanent relief. And so as we are seeing these courts taking their time, about to make a decision any day now, we can't predict it. Why not move bills that help people without hurting people now and immediately? Um, And that's why we've been calling on Congress to start, don't end with, but start on Dream and Promise Act and continue the work to to build permanent solutions for all 11 million people.
2: And also a a moratorium on enforcement too. I mean, that's something... Biden can do with a stroke of a pen, right?
1: That's right. And we saw him do that on day one. Uh, that was a huge victory for us. Um, and, you know, something we we expected to happen that was unfortunate, which was, well, speaking of Texas, we saw the Texas Attorney General take issue with this moratorium and immediately, uh, almost immediately, sue. Uh, a Texas judge, a different judge in Texas, has issued a pause on this moratorium of about two weeks and that will be an ongo- ongoing court case now where we'll have to monitor what it looks like. But this is all full circle in our conversation, right? Yes, there is a pause on moratoriums. However, this does not stop the Biden Harris administration from exerting their ability to pause any deportations.
2: And and again, folks, as, as Sanaa has been explaining us about these courts, that's why, uh, you know, it was so important to win this election. Shouldn't have lost the last one because these judges, this Joker appointed two hundred some odd judges in these places for this purpose, so that his um, um, hegemony will have a lingering effect in these types of cases. Um, I hope we've got leverage of the Supreme Court because they don't want it to be expanded You know, so I, I think the Supreme Court, in spite of the six-three majority. Is going to be a little bit tempered. I hope, so now, because they don't want the Biden Democrats. Okay, we just going to expand the court to deal with this. So that's that's always been the historical check and balance. Whenever Supreme Court gets out of control, they kind of get back in check with that threat. Hopefully, I'm right about that. But if not, hell, expand them too. Can't be mealy mouth and milk milk toast about that either. We got to move. So we have to move on all of this give us our assi- well, first of all let me just say this Sanaa, i want to acknowledge her and her family i'm proud of immigrants you know a, a lot of people who have been immigrants have had to you know hide it live in shame downplay it some folk are even afraid i talk to people sometimes say where you from oh i'm from here because they, they, they've been conditioned to be afraid to say where they really come from because of the raging white supremacy we have in this country this raging nativism but I want to acknowledge uh, Sana and, and her family um, from Pakistan, correct? And, That's right. And um, she came here as an, as an infant um, and is now a citizen. And she's working for. Other... Listen, all of these people who are immigrants are making a valuable contribution every day to this country and we cannot afford to take them for granted. And so we're grateful for all the work they do. Give us an assignment or our assignments, if you will. So now tell people where to go to the website, what to do and how to get up and get into it and get involved.
1: Thanks, thank you so much. Uh, well, gratitude to you for, for providing me this space to share and, and be, be in deep, meaningful conversation with you today. First thing, take out your phones. Uh, you can text the number 877-877 with the word undeniable. So once you do that, you will be plugged in to our action alerts. We are actually uh, running a, a call campaign this week where we are asking people who are part of our undeniable campaign to be making calls to Speaker Pelosi, Majority Leader Schumer, demanding immediate action on citizenship for all, and including it in any COVID recovery relief for for the reasons that we talked about um, earlier. Next, stay in touch with us. Uh, We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at United We Dream. Follow us there. Any, Any rapid response updates as we're awaiting this DACA decision from Texas, as we are responding, um to any actions by the administration as we are pushing congress to move swiftly there's there's no time to to you know take a step back and and have these long hour, multi-hour conversations about what we can do we know what to do we've been planning for this moment for years now now is the time for action so take action with us again that's uh, text undeniable to 877 and um, we're excited to bring more people into the fray. Um, and we're excited to work in partnership with folks who who believe in our mission and who believe that helping immigrants is not just about helping immigrants. It's about helping all communities. Like when we talk about investing in community, when we talk about investing in immigrants, these are actually things that help all people, healthcare, education. Uh, being able to access college, university, being able to get a good paying job, right? Things like raising the minimum wage so that it applies to all people, uh, not not uh, just people uh, and discriminate against immigration status. Um, we we see ourselves as part of a broader movement when it comes to achieving racial justice and equity, particularly for Black and Brown communities. So um, we're, we're excited to continue this work and and aim for co-governing and holding this administration accountable.
2: I like that word. I'm, can I borrow that? Co-governing? That's the word we yes. need to use. It. Get all this other stuff, just watching and spectating. Co-governing. <laughs> Folks, text 877-877. Text the word undeniable. Let's get this done. Let's put, you know, so we can all go on and live our lives. We shouldn't have to be in the ring all the time. I've been in the ring almost 40 years. I like to get out the ring. We need some victories. We fought to get this president elected. We fought, to, fought to, to keep a majority in the House, get a majority in the Senate, elect a black woman to be the tiebreaker. Let's get this done. Um, 877-877-TEXT, undeniable to that uh, number and you'll be pulled in and involved. Uh, Sada, we just, so now we just don't run our mouths around here, we like to do work too. So, so please continue to talk to us and give us assignments and keep us posted. That's right that needs to be done. Folks, we invite you to also go to uh, unitedwedream.org Sanaa Abrah has been our guest. Thank you, Sanaa.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, Sending love to y'all. Sending care. Stay inside. Stay cozy if you can.
2: Thank you. That's very kind of you. Thank you for your consideration. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe, And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made (laughs) plain.